Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the X Button, uh, or as we would like to call, Escape Media presents the X Button. I'm one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is my lovely co-host, Paul. Nice to I... see you again, Alejandro. What are we talking about today? About a couple things. Hopefully, it's not going to be as news-packed as the last two were, but first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It has been a busy week, busier weekend, but I was able to get a couple of good games in. Um, mm-hmm. I finished Resident Evil 3 finally, and I have a, another one that we discussed privately that I need to reveal to the rest of our audience. Yeah, I guess we were jump- you jumped straight into the book club that we started. I did last week. because yeah. that's like the most important thing to me right now, off the top of my head. But um, because you know sometimes you get absorbed into a game that you've been playing, mm-hmm. and it just kind of takes up all of your thought process. You start thinking about how you can micromanage, how you can get more efficient at it, and I have a bad problem with that, and that's one reason why I burn out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's been what has taken up a lot of my time. I uh, I did a road trip as well, to uh, mm-hmm. not yesterday, but two days ago, to help move a friend, and I am exhausted from that still. You can see the exhaustion in your hair. Yes. <laughs> as you can see, uh, this is how my hair looks. It's just very curly, somewhat frizzy like an afro, um, but I usually flip it up right out of the shower. But I'm trying something a little new. Some little different. Um, yeah, this is usually what change. it looks like anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're too young to like be stagnant and not try new things that could look better or worse than us. Amen. So, as for me, not much new in life except one big thing. On Thursday, I am getting the Fauci ouchie. <laughs> when you told me that, I was the first <laughs> time I've ever actually heard that statement. Uh-huh. And now I love it. Yeah. So yeah, finally I'm getting vaccinated, which means that I'm actually traveling. So kind of like as a little housekeeping, um, even though I'm going to be traveling, that doesn't mean new episodes won't come out. My background may look different. My audio may too, because I have a very specific mic, as you can see. I'm going to show it here. This one's not friendly to carry carry around. So I'm going to be using the mic we use, the, the small mic, uh, Samsonite one that pj gave to me when we when we did the show last year yeah so nothing's gonna stop but the good thing is that i'll be vaccinated finally and i will i won't have to worry about um having to worry about getting this stupid virus so and i may need to get vaccinated too as well because uh they're lowering restrictions over in my neck of the woods and everyone Mm -hmm. has basically started acting like the virus doesn't happened. exist anymore yeah. it is packed next to each other um like sardines mm-hmm. no one's walking into restaurants with masks on anymore it's i wouldn't okay. say terrifying yeah. but i do think it's a little disappointing how quickly people are willing to forget mm-hmm. because they're just kind of done with it all yeah and to me specifically we had a death in the uh i wouldn't say death in the family but a close person for, to our family recently passed away from COVID still oh, shoot. So that's why I'm like, yeah, it's I can't wait anymore. If I have the chance, I'm yeah. taking that vaccine. So I'm Absolutely. flying in, and I'll be where I'm gonna be for like 21 days because I'm gonna get the two shots. Gonna stay there. So true. I'll, well, I'll reveal where I am in the next episode. By then, we'll be glad to have <laughs> yes. you back in the states. That's for sure. Yes. Oh, it's gonna be awesome because I haven't been in the states since I went to L.A., uh, Los Angeles, not Louisiana, in uh, 
biggest place for Orna, LA. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's and, always confusing. Yes, when I found out about that, I'm like, dang it, <laughs> yeah. that could be confusing. But I, yeah, I went to LA on October 2019, and that was the last time I was in the US, and then I was locked in where I'm at because of the of the lockdowns and all that. Which really though, just to think about it, it's like it's a year and two months since that happened. But yeah, I'll be there. And since you mentioned book club, uh, I, unlike you, I have not finished uh, Mafia def- uh, the, the Definitive Edition. I did play a little bit more, but I would say my thoughts haven't quite evolved from last week. It's still an enjoyable story. The game really is showing its age more and more. Mm. As a game, I would say Mafia 3 was better. They didn't quite modernize this too much. Now that I'm like deeper and deeper, it's, it feels even more linear than I was even expecting. So... It's giving me the Red Dead 2 mission rigidity that really frustrated me in that uh, game when I thought yeah. I could have a little bit more freedom to tackle mm-hmm. missions. So at least in a couple few that I still got there. But the story is still interesting enough that I still kind of want to see it through. But the thing is, I had forgotten a big thing was coming out last week, and that was Mass Effect, the Legendary Edition. Yes. And I'll just say this. Now they re- it's basically a remaster. And what they've done to the first Mass Effect in particular, it's kind of mind-blowing because I actually played all three Mass Effect games last year during quarantine, the 360 version. So as pure as they were, and that first game, oh boy, it didn't hold up. 13 years ago, like, the combat of that game was poop. Let's just put it that way. Like, it's, it was really, really, really bad. And, like, the bad checkpointing system and saving, like, like you're getting screwed by the save system sometimes if you weren't if you weren't constantly saving and saving, the quality of life that they've made for that first game it's insane. I would say that um, I would recommend that collection just for people to experience the first game how they tightened it up oh, and yeah. not lose the essence because they somehow like because Mass Effect One compared to two and three they changed how the shooting felt yeah. and. And the way like movement worked and even how the cover system worked. Um, they kind of retained the different feel of one, but it feels tighter. Like it, you, you actually feel your lasers hitting enemies. Mm-hmm. The radicals are not a mess that keeps spreading out. Yeah. The uh, It's not quite super polished because Mass Effect has never been a super polished game anyway. It was always more about like the plot and yes. the story. And the, and and I would say like from the three Mass Effect games, the first game story is special because if you think like the opening salvo, the um, mm. the um, I'm gonna say this, the like the introduction of a new world. Because I've been thinking about it, we haven't had like a sci-fi space opera, like with huge world-building lore, come out of like nowhere since no. Mass Effect. Like this generation, like the closest we got was destiny which we'll talk about a little later but even then it's not even close to like the codex filled lord that was that first mass effect and the care the amazing characters that Mm -hmm. even till this day they're writing the characterization everything they're still just as good now and now that the game feels tighter to play like i can't recommend that enough i haven't played two and three those games still held up relatively well when i played them 360 so i would be shocked if they didn't with a higher frame rate higher resolution mm-hmm. i would say the only um the only negative i can t- I-, I can apply to this remaster right now is that 
this is, I don't know, I think we talked about this also in private, that there's always this fear when there's remaster work that the changes they make to try to update the look of the game may make things look slightly worse. Yeah. So, like, I, you mentioned the Ezio collection. There's, like, this amazing gif of um, of the very beginning of the game when you first mm -hmm. control Ezio, and there's, like, the his rival. I don't even remember the name. The black I, I don't even remember. Yeah. Like, the character next to him had, like, this clown... It was horrible. <laughs> Calm lips. Um, and in this one, the lighting has changed. So in some ways, the lighting has made things more dramatic, but then the lighting changes feel a little too overexposed and too out of the J.J. Abrams school of lens flare. That, <laughs> yeah. that everything feels overly lit sometimes. And then some of the light sources in specific scenes don't feel natural. That then you see like lightning here and here and here and here. Yeah. In a place that used to be a little bit more darker in the original game, and I actually went back and looked at comparison that you can see like the better resolution in detail on one, but just the lighting itself make it seem worse, even though it's still a better looking than what it was before. So I'm wondering how much of that would be um, a conscious change from the norm, and how much of it would be because maybe they're updating the engine, maybe they're updating the physics. Mm -hmm. It's like whatever would have worked in the past is no longer viable. Because I mean, obviously, um, you had that fuzzier edge of everything, and it allowed you to have softer lightings. But now, mm -hmm. with all of the hard edges and the HD textures and everything, it's probably a lot harder to get one team working on remaking all of the textures and then another mm -hmm. team doing all the scene lighting and being like, oh, crap, these textures don't work for the lighting at all, but we don't have time for it. Let's mm -hmm. move on. Um, so I do think that as the systems get better with 2 and 3, because they mm -hmm. already had the HD-ish mm -hmm. textures, I don't textures. know. Yeah. I, th I think they had HD by that point. Yeah, 720p. Uh, yeah. yeah, all three games were a 720p HD, a native HD back okay. then. Hmm. So, I mean, I guess we'll see, but I th I still think it will be an improvement in the end because each of the textures for the two and three are going to be better by default. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, and two and three worked in a different version of the Unreal Engine three yes. than Mass Effect one because Mass Effect one to Mass Effect two they took three years because they had to overhaul a lot of the uh, of the engine for it to be more stable and have different mm -hmm. kind of lining. The lighting reminds me a lot of how the game looked in 2 and 3. Like, 1 had a very specific look that still felt like Mass Effect, but had a different aesthetic style when you went to 2 and 3. That was a little bit more, less colorful, more, more monochromatic. Yeah. That um, they try to bring that look into 1. So, now in this remaster, it doesn't look as colorful, but more places have more detail now. So, and lighting is the one area that, maybe didn't quite translate because that's a game that had to be retranslated from an older version of that engine because yeah. even right now, those games are still running on Unreal 3. And we're basically now in Unreal 5, just for context or things like yeah. So they're still working on an old version of that. Mm -hmm. They didn't move it to like a modern engine because Unreal 4 games don't feel quite like Unreal 3 games. So, yeah, okay. That does make sense because like you had the context that I was missing, but I had the the intuition of like they're probably working on some other different material and that that was mm -hmm. exactly the confirmation i was looking for so yes so, um, and then the other thing yeah. that i played mm -hmm. it's something that also you've been playing but before you talk about that thing you've also been playing yeah well other than re3 do you play anything else um no <laughs> 
I, man, I'm uh, I'm losing my my edge here. Um, because yeah, I I played. Oh, you know what? I have been actually playing. Um, Total War Empire, the the okay. strategy series. Um, uh-huh. so I went back because I have like the whole collection on Steam now, and um. I don't know how much you know about the Total War series, mm-hmm. Alejandro. Okay, yeah. so you get I the basic thought, premise. I always thought about them like Age of Empire almost, sort of, kind of. More or less. Yeah. Um, it's like the game plays in two parts. You've got your overworld where you're mm-hmm. micromanaging like the economics of everything and then the actual strategic battle portion of the games, which um, were always my favorite honestly i would like put the economics on easy just so i could get into the fights but Mm -hmm. uh this time i redid the um i played as britain and empire is during the colonial era like 1700 to i think 1780 ish um is like the max and um you just go through that whole area colonize take out enemies make diplomatic stuff and with by that i just mean you steamroll everyone (laughs) um and it is so funny because sometimes you just you try to play nice with some people and i guess because the ai is a little jacked up with their aggression they'll just declare war on you like nothing Mm -hmm. and so me being on my impregnable area of the united kingdom uh gets declared war on by spain and france for whatever reason like in the first 10 turns of the game which normally Mm -hmm. isn't usually supposed to happen like maybe france but the fact that both of them did was weird so i ended up just steamrolling all of western europe and i took all of france wiped out the country completely took out all of spain so like when you look at the little map it's just this giant swath of red right down the middle um and it's very satisfying i will tell you but um to digress on that that, that was one of the other things i did play a little as sad, but was it as satisfying as the other thing that you've been playing no ish <laughs> in some ways it felt very good to just white people out because i used to struggle so much with those games when i was younger um but the next game that i was playing was very fun yes, <laughs> and yes. that was destiny 2 um <laughs> I, I re-downloaded it after hearing all the good talk of all the things happening and on a whim i found out that all of the dlc was on sale mm-hmm. and so i got all of it for like 40 bucks i think which is a steal it is considering um, how much those, i think it was all of them cost. 70 something dollars um for all of them mm-hmm. and uh i got it for about half that so that was nice uh that already mm-hmm. made it pretty much worth it to me um i my my first reaction to uh starting some of the campaign was of course the the immense confusion of what to do and where to go. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what any of the emblems meant, so that, so that left me the dust. Just for context, when you started, it dropped you in the middle of Europa, right? I I like literally it... started the game and it dropped me into the first mission on Europa for Beyond Light, um, mm-hmm. which was like I think they give you one mission each for free, and then for the rest you have to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just did that whole mission with whatever I had on hand already from my like year one Destiny build. And so I'm just like, okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing. We're shooting stuff. We're figuring it out. I don't know who any of these people are. Um, 
like I vaguely remembered like the concept of some of them. I remember the big three like Zavala, Ikora, mm-hmm. and um, Cade Six, Six because they were in Destiny One. I played that a lot. Don't remember much of anyone else, mm-hmm. and um, I I was so lost. Also, I was very interested to find out that Beyond Light was focusing on the chick that could go invisible from Destiny One, mm-hmm. who showed up and said, "I don't have enough time to tell you why I don't have enough time," and then disappeared yeah. out of the entire series. And I was always Literally. wondering what the heck happened to that lady, yeah. and um, that was really nice to find out that they actually did something with her. Mm-hmm. Very sad to see what happened to Cade Six because um, I love you Nathan Fillion. I did. Yeah, I kind of knew about that already because I saw trailers and everyone was kind of freaking out about it when it came mm-hmm. out. But um, just to yeah, see, yeah, it wasn't like, a secret. They literally promoted that. Right, that was the, the whole idea. Yeah, and um, that was a, a pretty big shame. But I understood why because Nathan Fillion is probably the biggest name actor overall. Yeah. Um, and he's he's currently uh, starring in the Rookie in ABC, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. That's, but he has a TV oh, role right now. Okay. So. Um. Well, yeah. Then he's probably busy enough as it is anyway. Um. Sometimes. Total side note. I want to go back and watch Castle because it's fun. I like really the concept. Um. But I never really got into it. Um. But yeah. Anyway, I'll one day go back and watch that. But anyway, um. Destiny. Yes. Mm-hmm. So much to talk about for that. Uh, but to distill it as much as I can, um, I remembered why I loved Halo so much mm-hmm. because of the type controls, the quick movements. And I remember why Destiny appealed to me so much was it was like you were Master Chief in this wide sprawling world. And you could kind of like switch out all these different weapons and do whatever you kind of want. Um, so the more I could pull into that, the more fun I was having because I play as a Titan. And um, that's basically your Doom guy and Master Chief rolled into one character, mm-hmm. punch everything, drop the guns, pick up these hands, let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, so I like the simpler I, uh, I treated it, the more fun I was having. Because the more I would get bogged down in like weaponry and all of the lore, mm-hmm. I was it was losing me. But what really helped me, Alejandro, was you and your clan coming yes. in this round. Clan um, chaotic. Clan chaotic <laughs> helped me immensely because I um I would ask the dumbest questions. And I was always and able they were to dumb. actually get an answer. <laughs> they were dumb, yeah. Because yeah. I just didn't know where to find anything. I didn't know what these people were asking for. Um, sometimes even like on the quest tab, I just didn't understand what I was trying to look for. Because it has like what you need to do. And it has like a paragraph of lore as well. And I was I was just getting lost. It was going over my head. And even now, some of the cutscenes, I'm just like, all right, let's get to the action here. Come on. (laughs) Which is normally not me either. Mm -hmm. I'm normally a huge sucker for sitting through an hour of Metal Gear Solid's uh, cutscenes. But it's different games. Destiny is a shooting game. So obviously, you would like back to what feels so good about Destiny, which is is and always will be its shooting. It does feel very nice, um, the the solidness of it. And sometimes I realized that when I would get into a rut, it was mostly because I just had trash guns. And um, that was why I was sucking so much. And that's why I realized I was also doing garbage in Crucible. Mm -hmm. Because 
all of my guns were terrible. They had like low stability, it turned out. And oh, um, <laughs> yeah, and then I picked the a, like a burst fire sidearm and I started melting people. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I guess you just need to really know what you're looking for. Um, the companion app, mm-hmm. which I did not use as a resource this time has been such a blessing because when i roll into the the game i log in i immediately pull up the app and just accept a bunch of bounties that look like i can do them in a couple hours instead of having to load in into a tower going to every bender to pick them all you yep. can do it all all through when you're in orbit yes um i can do it all when i'm in orbit i can just manage all of my stuff i can take stuff out of the vault switch it back take it from one character put it into another character I can do all of it from the app, and I realize that it's amazing, but also it makes me wonder why they didn't do it in the game. Yeah, and they still <laughs> haven't done it in the game either. <laughs> I guess they just really want people to use the app, but it's like, my goodness, if you've got somebody that really doesn't like using apps or doesn't have access to that, they are You miss out on a lot, yeah. Um, it, it makes experience a little bit less counterintuitive. It makes it more counterintuitive if you don't have definitely. the app. You can save so much time just by having the dang app. Open. And I mean, even if they just added an extension in the UI off to the side that's basically just the app on a screen, mm-hmm. I feel like that would solve a lot of problems um, because it was the idea that I didn't know what things were under which tab in the game mm-hmm. was, I think, what was messing me up. And I still like um, I tried going back into overrides. And mm-hmm. I spent literally about 30 minutes going through every single menu, every single destination to try to, to, try to remember where it was and it until was I helm. found out it was at the helm <laughs> off to the left-hand side. I'm like, yeah. why would I know where that is? Um, but I, I knew. I understand because um, having all these things at once, you haven't come back. You're not used to it because us that we kept playing, and that's the difference with Paul. He stopped playing right. back in like 2017. Mm-hmm. I've kept playing Destiny throughout, and these are things that have been adding over, like one on top of the other, so you kind of yeah. get used to it. So whenever you have all of that at once, you're not surprised that you didn't find it or even know things like what a weekly Crucible challenge was or where or how to like accept some quests for them to pop yeah. up in your log, things like that. But it makes sense because you haven't... What Destiny 2 was when you bought that disc back in 2017 before it went free to play and all that has been reworked significantly to what it is now. I would dare say it's not even the same game, really. It is not, especially Um, like the way the weapons uh, are distributed now and the powers, um, all the armor skins, uh, even just last year, exotics not being able to be colored. which that was something that I found out and I was very happy that you can change the color of exotics mm-hmm. because I wasn't using exotics because they wouldn't match my outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, the only ones that you can't change are exotic weapons. Yes, so I found that need, out, but you, I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah, because the armor and the, and the good thing is that you came back at a time when armor cosmetics now have gotten a rework to the point where you can like color them infinitely. Yes. They in a very huge mistake back in like vanilla they made shaders consumable when in Destiny 1 was always a blanket oh, shader. So and that much. was the worst because they're like, we wanted to add something for people to grind for because um, mm-hmm. Destiny 2 Vanilla knowingly was like so simplified because they took a lot of hard, the casual complaint of like, the game is too grindy. And then they oversimplified it. But they're like, let's add this cosmetic thing 
as a consumable, despite the fact that in the previous game it was just a blanket color yeah. for your armor. And now the uh, the trade-off has been because you can now color specific pieces of armor in different colors mm-hmm. and all of that. It costs a little bit of glimmer, but that's, but that's I like think pennies. Yeah, that's pennies in comparison to being able to like really mix mix and day. match. When and also you... the transmog system, which I will say right now, the transmog system they con- they have concocted right now, it's awful. It's so awful. It's so grindy. It's it so doesn't look great, and I haven't even tried to touch yeah. it really. And don't touch it right now because the community has been so vocal about how much they dislike the current version of Transmog. And Destiny has always been a game that people complain a lot, and Bungie always fixes things. So I would say hold on into trying uh, Transmog. So yeah, I've also been playing Destiny too. In fact, that took a lot of my time also when I was playing Mass Effect just between those two games. Because the new season, funny enough, you jump back when the new season started, season of the Squadster. Right. And that's like the the third season from this fourth year of Destiny 2, which is actually the sixth year, almost seventh year of Destiny in its lifespan now. That um, okay. I would say like this the season content has gotten better because I don't know if you remember around this time last year, I was telling you that I was in the middle of a Destiny season that was losing. You were saying like, how like you weren't, impressed with it at all yeah it was it it felt like as minimum viable product as it could possibly have been because at that point it was bungie still figuring out how they were going to work without activision support studios because during the forsaken oh yeah yeah remember that activision Mm -hmm. and bungie split up uh for destiny like they activision never owned bungie but there was a partnership between them Mm -hmm. and the partnership yielded studios like vicarious visions and hymen studios (laughs) that one of them is in Call of Duty Purgatory now, and the other one has been put into Blizzard Purgatory for Diablo. Um, those were the ones that helped make some of the best content during those first two years of Destiny, ironically. Mm-hmm. Better than some of the things that were made by Bungie. And then when they split by the start of Shadowkeep, which was year three, that was all Bungie. And yeah. that's that proved a little hard for them because the breadth of content for the seasonal stuff that came in every three months wasn't as robust as the year before and that was because it didn't have the manpower mm-hmm. and this time around they stepped up like they actually took advantage of the pandemic ironically to grow their team and set up a network infrastructure so people could properly work from home and and allow them to have more manpower to like make the seasons a little bit more robust and in that expansion they all and in, in the expansion of their team at this point, that has helped up the quality of the season. Like last season, season of the chosen and this ones have been pretty, pretty strong. Like everything feels sustainable. It feels like there's a lot to do initially. Instead, they would start drip feed you content over weeks. Sometimes yeah. it feels like they learn a lesson to probably like push really hard to have a lot initially, while still sprinkling some stuff to kind of keep you engaged. But it's better than just giving you a tiny bit now. And a tiny bit in two weeks, and a tiny bit maybe the next week, um, especially with how quickly it is to burn through that content because the game is so fun to play. You just—it's a game you just can't stop playing, right? You just kind of want to keep on going. It's an addiction. It keeps me running because the bounties are there. See, one of the things that I love that they did was 
um, with the bounties, which was one of the things that I mainly they, did. Yeah, and they were not in at the start of Destiny Two. They took those out. They were in Destiny One. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, that was initially what I did in Destiny One, and then when they added them in Destiny Two, I played those um, because I didn't really know what else to do. One, mm-hmm. and then also I felt like the rest of it was requiring teammates, which I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ability now to pick. Uh, the far right bounty, which was mm-hmm. a random bounty, but you can just keep hitting them mm-hmm. over and over again. So you can get kind of like as many bounties as you want in that general category mm-hmm. if that's what you want to play. Because what I would do is I would do those like five or six bounties you do, you run out of them, and then I'm yeah. like, now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I'd log off and then log back in the next day whenever they uh, mm-hmm. reset them. But now I don't have to. Yeah, it feels um, like there's always something that you can always be pursuing. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, I played yesterday. I kid you not, for like seven hours straight after I came after I came back from church. Like it was um, because I was like, I need to do a bunch of quests right now. Like I want to do all the bounties for the week, and I did like forty-two bounties in a row, and that jumped cool. my battle pass. Which, by the way, also battle passes they added that yeah do with shadow keep. So another thing for you to like strive to do. That's been nice because of how many consumables that I need, like the upgrade modules that I had no idea how to get. I've yeah. been mostly just feeding myself through that season pass and the battle pass. Yeah. And the upgrade modules you get through Banshee. And you have to have a certain yeah, amount of you, get, you have to build them from him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you have it to have certain like, things. It, it costs enhancement cores, which the bounties that he sells, they give you. It, it depends on also on planetary material, which you can get by playing strikes. From a specific planet, or just doing public right. events, long sectors. But just the idea that. that it's like really helped me boost myself from eleven hundred to twelve sixty five now, mm-hmm. um, in the span of like a few days. And at some point, I'm gonna pick your brain on what the next process of like how you're supposed to continue that because that was the other thing. I reached like the the soft wall, and I didn't know what else to do to boost it. Mm-hmm. Um. But then I realize now it's a lot about like adding more difficulty. It's about adding different things to do because I'm mean, now you've got what uh, you've got the trials on the weekends. You've, you've got, got the overrides. Falls. You've got nightfalls. You got the raid. You've got uh, the raid. You've got um, uh, crucible. You've got any of the bounties. Mm-hmm. You've got campaign if you wanted to. Um, you've got the, the public events, um, you've got your (laughs) everything. Yes. And at least like whenever you jump into them, I'm realizing now the reason I was also frustrated is because I was playing the same thing. You had like three different armor and weapon Mm -hmm. things, but you're not supposed to just play those like one or two things. You're supposed to play it all. And that's where you get the variants. Mm -hmm. So it's like the more I understand the meta and what you're supposed to do, the more fun I'm having. It was, I think, that initial, like, all right, what do you want me as the developer to do? Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me what I need to yes. do and how to play the game <laughs> so that I can get the most out of it. So um, I'll digress on the rest just to say, if any of y'all are thinking of playing Destiny, please find friends. Please find a community. Um, because plan. that join a clan, <laughs> um, join a Discord, just figure out how to not be on your own because when i had people explaining things to me it's so much better it was just like my experience with warframe it was just like my experience with just about any mmo ever um Mm -hmm. 
just yeah do that yes so overall like it's still destiny pretty good game still like it's always been pretty good but it's gotten better over yeah. time it has its up and downs it's always had them it will never stop having them but its core is always so good that it just like to me like i have to always intentionally sequester myself from destiny too if i really want to play other games because when you play destiny sometimes other games just don't feel as good they don't have the weight they don't have the feel they don't have the satisfaction of a headshot and the way the sound design and the visual all of that like combines to just feel so good so yeah paul has been bitten by the destiny bug and i can't wait to get him through a raid which is yeah. coming up this sun this Saturday, and I've never also. done a raid before. And I tell you, raids were the things that turned Destiny into. I like this a lot. To this is my obsession. That's mm. that 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 was my turning point back in D one because in D one I was very kind of like you, and until I did a raid experience and had friends that understood the game, explain it to me, and all of that, completely changed everything. So, but enough Destiny talk for now because we still want to get through a couple news today. Yes. So, Paul. Do the honor. Press X. For some news. You're listening to news by Media. There you go. All right. So, thankfully, not too many this week <laughs> compared to last week that had the Calocator, the Epic. Plus, yeah, right. That's still going, but we're not going to talk about that. Before I dive into the big news, I want to give like a little PSA that I'm going to call Console Watch because as people have known, I have had some struggle trying to get a next-gen console these days because they're a nightmare to get. And in at least in this case, if you're one that's looking for an Xbox, I have good news. Per Wario64 on Twitter. Wario64 is like this very specific account that always finds deals and always finds something in, re- in How regards to... How do they to... do that anyway? <laughs> he probably has inside sources, who knows? But he got a hold of, of like a little manifesto that mentioned that starting on the 18th, which would be tomorrow if I'm not mistaken... Yeah. Uh, t- Target is now enabling online purchase of the Xbox Series X and S so that anytime you can buy it and then you just have to wait until it's stocked up so you can go pick it up at a store. So they aren't quite doing what I ranted last week about why are they not just putting stock in the store so you can just walk by and just hit over the counter and grab it. But this is also a better solution because what this means is in contrast to the PlayStation 5 that just does the random drops, in this case... Target will leave open the purchase, and then you're just... I think you're basically getting a number. It sounds... And, yeah, it's like a waiting list, and then yeah. as as they come in, the people that bought them are going to get them in the order. I can see that working out really well for the stability aspect. Mm-hmm. My fear would be that... How big is the, is the waiting exactly. list? Exactly. <laughs> the waiting list is going to be filled up with hundreds of people, and mm-hmm. they're only getting a handful of systems at a time, so it's just going to be... All right, well... You bought this, and then four months down the way, maybe, mm-hmm. you're getting your system finally. Yeah, but I feel like uh, I think I, I, miss, I may have misread this, but I think they're gonna, there's going to be different waiting lists on a store-per-store basis. You have to kind of pick one. Okay. So doing it that way, I think that will help kind of like narrow down the geography of Shoot. maybe then, doing the target in your store or something like that. better hope that your target is one of the ones that gets the system yeah. regularly, I guess. Exactly, yeah. But I feel considering the heartbreak that it is just being able to purchase something when it goes in stock online and having to race against the clock clock against bots Mm. i feel this is a nice half step to what i've been asking for that is true which is like because that's a that's been the big problem 
trying to get a console these days. Mm-hmm. It's that because the the demand is so high, bots and scalpers know the demand is high, and they said they're bots to kind of like snoop up every single machine that it's gonna be faster than everyone trying to do it manually because the websites yeah. just don't work. The websites for these websites absolutely do not work. They're trash. So I applaud that at least Microsoft is letting Target do that. Hopefully Sony will follow suit to Italy because I feel like everyone know if everyone knows that you can pay the money, know that you will have one, will be better than this constant heartbreak that it is having That's to true. having to have Twitter notifications on for all these accounts dedicated dedicated for restocks and all that. It's like it's just unnecessary stress people don't need. So I'm happy they're doing that. And hopefully Sony follows through because also follows suit with this because if Xbox is allowing this, I can see the tide shifting. The more people being like, screw it, I'm going to get an Xbox because at least I will have that guarantee of being on a waiting list instead of having to try my luck. At so. least as far as the Xbox versus Sony situation, uh, Microsoft versus Sony, when one of them has a good idea, the other one usually follows suit soon mm-hmm. after. It's not like the Nintendo situation where they yeah. just know that they're doing their thing and they're mm-hmm. off that way. They don't care. Um, if Microsoft figures this out and it starts to work, I definitely think Sony will jump on that bandwagon and say, hey, guys, mm-hmm. you can buy it beforehand as well. Go on a waiting list, babe based on your location and we will get you your system when they come in don't worry about it i tell you if i knew microsoft would have exclusives coming up soon i would jump on this the fact that they're not it's the thing that's holding me back a little bit from actually getting it because i love game pass i'm a big supporter of game pass and its value and being able to play games like outriders and even mlb 21 mm-hmm. which <laughs> the insanity of being uh, as Sony made gaming on Game Pass, is still that still hasn't washed away from me. It's insane, but I do have an Xbox One where I can still play a lot of those games, so mm-hmm. I don't have that need, and I do have Game Pass there. So my need for an Xbox Series X is not as high because they don't have like the big games that I would like to play there. Yeah, they may still have Halo Infinite at the end of the year, but we'll see. At least this is a good step for people. Given the choice, I, I see more people leaning Xbox through Target. I can understand it just sheerly on the availability of it. Yeah. My friend who was going to get a PS5 said screw it and bought a Series S last week. Yep. That's so. this is like where we're getting to that point of the people that really want to play and mm-hmm. don't have like a full loyalty to that brand or friends mm-hmm. to play with it. Those are the two things um are going to start jumping ship in mass. Yeah. They are going to just like forget it. PS5 isn't worth it. I'm not waiting for this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go play whatever I can on the Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. and then they're going to love it because yeah. I guarantee you, what happened to me after the 360 happened and I bought the PS4? It was new. It was different. It was special. It mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't just like a, an upgrade of what I had. It was mm-hmm. a whole new thing to just absorb myself into. It's like yeah. buying a new phone. And anecdotally, I've been noticing this online and I've been sharing that in our group chats of indesirability, the PS5 is ahead. That's the one everyone wants in yeah. a scenario where people have both. They're More starting are, to choose. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to be like, I think I'm liking how things are working here over in Xbox. I'm liking the UI, smart delivery, mm-hmm. Game Pass, backwards compatibility, the full backwards compatibility compared to the other machine. Um, 
Sony's going to have to live with the the struggle of what they did on the PS3 for the rest of their days mm-hmm. because that locked out so much. Library, yeah. Um, that happened. I mean, that was the boom. That was the golden age. Mm-hmm. Um, that generation. Because of just how much raw creativity and breadth of type of game um, that we still haven't, I don't think, seen since then. Yeah, just, just especially me that was playing some PS3 a few weeks back and will still be playing because I have to play the Ratchet & Clank into the Nexus game that is supposedly the precursor to Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they said you can play Rift Apart with no problem. There's just such a variety. There, there, there's magic in that generation. It felt like there was many different kinds of games to play and there and they were not too big, They felt, but still felt substantive. While there were also a lot of games that were too short for the price, but mm-hmm. there was just a huge variety of titles and new franchises that were spawned. It was the Wild West. Yeah, that we haven't seen quite in this generation. This was this past generation was sequel generation. Yeah, it was very few that you could say this is a new IP that's awesome. So, so yeah, and, and hopefully, then the creativity will be birthed again. But until then, uh, without getting too much into that tangent again, yeah, if you're interested in an Xbox target, I think may have your back. So That's now big. into the real news. Paul, how big are you into free-to-play games? Uh, Well, it seems like every time I say I don't want to get into a free-to-play game and then I find myself being wrapped up into it. I mean, we just spent 30-plus minutes talking about Destiny 2. A um, game that went free-to-play. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I love me some Apex Legends. I love me some Warframe. Uh, I even tried... Uh, what was it not world of warships the the one with the planes mm-hmm. um and i'm blanking out on it but yeah. it's yeah just all of it and sometimes you just want to play a free-to-play game just to get something different in your bloodstream while you're waiting mm-hmm. for something else to drop so yes i love me some free-to-play however what are we talking about exactly alejandro yeah i hope you're liking them because apparently some companies <laughs> are going to keep throwing free-to-play games at you so yeah both ubisoft so because Somehow we started the show right when everyone's talking about their financials. Uh, we talked about Sony, Microsoft. We talked about Nintendo's insane year last year. Ubisoft and EA had one had theirs last week, and they made a point to tell their tell their shareholders that the majority of the money that they made was through microtransactions and DLC purchases and blah blah blah, and that they want to pivot into try to into trying to uh, hit the free to the free to play market more instead of just the box product. Like, for example, um, just this past fiscal year alone, like EA declared that 26% of its entire earnings came from box products. Everything else was the FIFA Ultimate teams, overexpanding, Apex Legends, like all, all, all the, those little whale purchases, that, the, mm-hmm. the purchases that whales can just be buying more and more and more. They made a lot of money through there. So they're like, we want to now try to do free-to-play games that are going to achieve AAA quality over time. And the thing is that I'm thinking about that, it's it will be more cost-effective in a way because making a free-to-play game, it's easier than like a full AAA production. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, will the market be able to sustain that many? Because, yeah. it, because also, let's not remember Ubisoft, Actually, it's so funny that Ubisoft only has one free-to-play game in the market, Hyperspace, that came out last summer, and it bombed. Hyperscape. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hyperscape was a battle royale in the sea of battle royales. Came in like a fart in the wind. It was and, horrible. And it was bad. Also, yeah, I tried it. I was like, yeah, this is not I good. did too. It's time and to kill. A, the yeah. bouncing, the sound of the, or the feeling of the guns yeah. wasn't there. And while in the EA camp, at the very least, their free-to-play game is Apex Legends, and that has been really good. That They had their 3v3 mode that revived that game in the Twitch competitive scene, and it's been always generally well-liked, even when it had microtransaction controversies with super expensive skins and blah, blah, blah. And now they're going to give us more. And just as an example that Ubisoft is all in with this, they did announce a free-to-play The Division game last week called The Division Heartland. Mm. And my question was, why didn't they just make The Division too free-to-play? <laughs> they already have the game there. The, yeah. the, well, yeah, that's a good point. Because, I mean, they could have just done the Destiny route. They would have had all of the material just say, mm -hmm. all right, well, the base game is free-to-play. My guess um, is in, like, probably two parts. One is that they don't nearly have as much constant content rolling mm -hmm. out they it's don't. really a yeah, lot of like there were like two expansions mm -hmm. um that added like more to the map and that was kind of it yeah for um, the division two it was the first year they had like tiny expansions of the map within washington dc so you could go to the pentagon right and things like that and then the year later they did the warlords of new york which took you back to new york um i did remember that yeah and Which I heard that was good, but it was I don't actually think... better than it was better. It, Warlocks of New York, I liked better than Base Division Two. Hmm. It was really good, but and apparently there's another expansion coming to the Division Two this year also in the same vein as that. Interesting. So I'm like, you're doing that, but you're also releasing the Division Harlan when you can just have your one game. Don't, are you and you going to split your audience? But hey. Apparently, rumors are that people have already seen the game and they're embargoed to talk about it. And there was a leak saying that it's going to be like a survival-style game. Uh, a la Rust, DayZ. Like taking the concept so of the... microtransactions are going to be around the idea of the consumables that are going to get you through the game easier. Yeah. To f that's, that's what I struggle with when it's a survival aspect game and the microtransactions are about taking away the survival aspects because survival games are a specific type of game. I'm not a huge fan of them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I genuinely feel the pull to buy something so I don't have to worry or stress about it mm -hmm. in when I'm playing the game. Um, and I think that's exactly what they're banking on because they're turning oh, yeah. a game that is a looter shooter just shoot have fun play the game and now it's like oh survival aspects are you going to play the game the way we want you to yeah. or do you want to play the game where we actually want you to and mm -hmm. buy money to make the game more like the way it was and that's the thing are gamers ready to just embrace that kind of business model now based on the track record of fortnite things from Ooh. the apex yeah. and i'm like i'm terrified about that i think What's more scary is because we're now in the generation where the base product, the base price has gone up to $70 games. Not still yeah. like blanket. There's so many $60 games still, like even Resident Evil 8 that came out a week or two ago was still $60. But then you have like a game like Sony's Returnal that came out at $70. And even Ratchet and Clank is coming out at 70, 70 bucks. At least Sony, Sony's premium yeah. products are like our games are premium. They're going to be 70 bucks over there on Microsoft. It's like, by the way, uh, you don't have to pay for our games. Just sign up for our service. <laughs> ten uh, bucks. Ten, ten bucks. bucks. <laughs> They're fifteen bucks if you want to play online. And so, 
So it's like it. I'm worried about what they perceive that that the all these companies trying to pursue, trying to make so much money, are killing the perceived value of games, yeah. and that's because then it's like, why would anyone want to make such a well-crafted game like, let's say, the next God of War that takes so many so that the original from 2018 took so much money to make or all these games that we really love us in the single player crowd mm-hmm. they take money and they take a lot of time but they end up selling well also but the company still want to just make the gazillions that's the worry that i have about this and at least in ubisoft in particular because ea wasn't quite clear about this because obviously they're still releasing a box product in like battlefield 6 this year which they announced that they're going to drop a trailer in June. I thought it was going to be this month, but they said that June would be the month. For us if to they want to take the time they need to polish it better than whatever happened to Battlefield Five when they released that, yeah, I'm fine with that. Oh, absolutely. But at least from the trailer, we're going to see it in a couple weeks. Um, they'll still have the box product. Um, their sports games, they always like, even though last year their all their sports games were horrible because the, the pandemic had to cut off a lot of features so they basically mm-hmm. copy and pasted a lot from the previous year more than usual uh they're still gonna be selling those because they still make a lot of money of those but fifa is still like one of the biggest selling games of all time if not the biggest i think one of the worldwide yeah like worldwide every fifa because the so- uh, soccer in particular is so big outside the u.s mm-hmm. even though soccer itself is pretty big in the u.s also but it is but it's it, getting but better like, yeah ubisoft had committed that they wanted to release three to four game big games a year but they said they're shifting away from that strategy, big, big boxed products or digital products that you pay sixty slash seventy dollars for. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they when it said that about the free to play stuff to their shareholders, they're walking back the three to four big games, so they may be even less. They're still releasing Far Cry Six. That's a game that we were supposed to have gotten already that got delayed. Um, whatever the new, whatever new Assassin's Creed eventually gets announced. Because yeah. that series will um, continue. They but... delayed cr- uh, Skull and Skull and Bones. Yeah, Skull they and delayed Bones. It yeah. Recently, um, I think they said that was one of the ones they wanted to add more free to play aspects yeah. to it, mm-hmm. which that's going to suck because that means that they're going to have. Um, I mean, it was already going to be stuff. like a multiplayer shooter, uh, for lack of a better word, with your ship, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be adding features upon features of things that you're going to have to buy with real money exactly. to get to. And... And the, and the thing is that I don't trust Ubisoft's track record when it comes to microtransactions. Like, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, a paid game, had microtransactions up the wazoo. Mm. It was insane. That is one of the worst microtransactions list I've ever seen for a premium product. So, I think and when you take it all away, it actually is a decent game. Exactly. Not now that they fixed it, <laughs> no one talks about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's Ubisoft. I'm. I think the thing that breaks my heart is that knowing that there's going to be less AAA products means that Splinter Cell will never come back. Because if they're like scaling down that much yeah. the premium side of making big games instead of to try to focus on free-to-play stuff, that means that some of the games I really want may not come back. And that is a bummer. That's a mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge bummer. The thing I have other companies that are still sticking to their guns. But yeah, that's Ubisoft and EA. Their plans after their recent financials. Let's see if they're because that's, and I'll keep saying, when you overcrowd a market so much of the same kind of game, the market collapses. Usually a market always sustains one big one. And it's like, look at Destiny. Destiny mm-hmm. was like the first like online looter shooter of this of its kind. And then so many looter shooters, The Division, uh, 
even Anthem. Oh, Anthem. Like, uh. dead. Or not as popular. Like, Destiny's still undisputed, always, and Fortnite. Yeah. Even though it wasn't the first Battle Royale, it took the idea from PUBG. It just it made it the big fun. thing. And it has only made a, a lot of market that always has at least one or two more beneath it. But not that many. Mm-hmm. Like, like like Apex was that uh, for, for a little bit. And, and then Warzone came in and took all the oxygen, even though Apex is still hanging around, enough mm-hmm. to give them, making them a lot of money. But you can't put that many. There's no time in the world to dedicate to so many of them. There's just no time. There's no matter what, no matter what they think, unless they think of a free to play game that's in a different genre. If they can like do something in the free to play space that can be something unique and hit at the right time, maybe that. If what you want is just be another battle royale or something in that ilk, not gonna happen. So, if even Square Enix is considering making a battle royale game oh. in their universe, then you know. Yeah, something's messed up. Yeah, something's messed up. Like Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale coming soon. <laughs> so, moving on from that, uh, yep. into the Xbox land, uh, Gears of War developer Decolition has officially confirmed they have switched their development tools into Epic's Unreal Engine Five. So this move signifies that as they as Epic teased last year that it was going to be 2021 around midway point that developers were going to be able to finally have the full um, the full suite of this engine to be able to be used. And Epic's Unreal Engine 5 actually was showcased around this time last year, Paul, with that demo. If you remember, it was oh, like, that, shoot, demo that was that a year like, ago. Yeah, that was a year ago during Holy the Summer Game crud. Fest. Yeah, during Jeff Keighley's huh. Summer Game Fest when they were like, when Microsoft had their big third-party event and everyone was like, Graphically, this doesn't look next gen. And then Jeff Keighley was, and everyone started making offices it's like, don't expect next gen to look much better from this gen. And then Jeff Keighley was like, uh, this is not going to age well in a week. Hold and, my beer. I got a demo yeah. for you. And, and to be fair, this was just a tech demo. That was not it a was. game. That I, yeah. But still, just seeing the detail of that demo and knowing that that would be the tech that most developers would use because a lot of developers use Unreal Engine. That's such a. Well, that's such a widely used tool because it's so easy and almost close to royalty free from Epic, yeah. especially with the recent changes that they've had after the immense success they've had with Fortnite. So apparently now they have it. So that's actually much sooner than I was expecting because I was expecting something mid to later in the year for people to switch to the new engine, especially with the pandemic. Yeah, and I think and just to be for people to know the last two games the Coalition made Gears of War four and Gears five. They were made on Unreal Engine 4, which, by the way, those two games, beautiful. So if their next game, which everyone assumes is going to be Gear 6, because why not? Gears 5 ended on a cliffhanger. Might as well. Yeah. It's going to be uh, using this new tech, which is exciting. And also, this may also signal the fact that this new Gears, it's going to be a Series X and S exclusive. Because Unreal Engine 5 is for the new machines. Mm-hmm. So You'd be hard-pressed to actually... Uh make the old tech work on that. Yeah, unless they're going to go the... Because remember, Microsoft made a big deal that with Smart Delivery, they wanted to have exclusives that were going to run on Xbox One while also being on Series X. But not many of them. And we're getting deeper and deeper into the generation where the base Xbox One is getting more and more decrepit. So I would say that Gear 6, you will probably have to buy one of the newer, newer machines to play on it, which I would say at that point, it would be fair. Because Gear 6 is not coming out anytime soon. So, yeah, right. And again, make a quick trip to Target, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next uh, next story, Remedy Entertainment. Yeah, you know who they are, right? Remind me. Because the first time I read that was I read it as respawn and I was very confused. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they, Remedy. Guys that, that's... Yeah, the guys that made uh, Alan Wake and Control. They just announced that they have six games currently in development. How are they even big enough to do six yeah, games? Yeah, I don't know, but unless they're just in the pre-production phase where they're just concepting and all that before they go to like, yeah, this is the only way that I can explain they have six games, or unless they're such a big company. Who knows? I kind of doubt it. That's like Ubisoft level saying that they got six games. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, and for the Enforcer group that bought Deep uh, Deep Silver and THQ Nordic that said they have like 60 studios with 60 games in development. Right. And so, I'm like, okay, guys, calm down. Yeah. So they have six games currently in development. And there is no new exactly what those games are, but we can always speculate. So they, it's funny enough, they took the Alan Wake rights from Microsoft. Microsoft, when they published Alan Wake back in 2010, they had the rights to Alan Wake. So they actually got that IP back for them. And funny enough, Alan Wake was part of Control in the second of the DLC that came out. So who knows if they may be doing a sequel to Alan Wake or a sequel to Control, which the is DLC their most... DLC that I never ended up getting to. Yeah, I, I have the DLC and I haven't played it and I Same. had that paralysis if I wanted to play it on a better machine than my base PS4 that was croaking with that game at 10 frames a second. It was so, struggling so hard. So yeah, so maybe a sequel to those games, maybe to an old franchise for them, like maybe Quantum Break, but that's also was owned by Microsoft. So And that wasn't well, Quantum Break wasn't well received. Uh, so I don't know if they would go back to that. So maybe I new IP. Think so because... Quantum Break was weird because it was the approach of, hey, you also you want to both watch a TV episode and play a game when in reality it's usually one or the other. Yeah. I never want to play 20 minutes of a game and watch 30 minutes of a TV show. I might do those a bad at TV the same show time. on top of that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's on top of it. Um I like I mean the concept sounds cool, but in reality, I I'm not vibing with that at all i'm still not a huge fan of using um like full motion video where you use like real life mm -hmm. as cutscene, and then you go into the game need for speed it's, 2015 it's, jarring. it's it. so jarring it's yeah just, it's just jarring it might as I, well like yeah try to say something visually so at least there's more visual coherence to yeah. it and yeah and unfortunately i i would have enjoyed that concept more if i don't know if if Okay, I was gonna say control. Quantum Break was good. Like the TV shows side of Quantum Break was good, mm. and the thing is that the good parts of Quantum Break are better in Control. That's the thing. Like the That's power true. fantasy of Quantum Break was so neutered, but in Control they just went all out. That was the mm. thing people liked from Quantum Break, and they nailed it in Control. So they might as well do a sequel in Control. Since that game ended on a sort of cliffhanger, kinda, and I don't know how this DLC results that, which from what I understand, it didn't. So. It's more like a continuation of the concept. Exactly. So. At least for the first one. Because I yeah. played the first DLC and I just couldn't finish it because honestly the foundation, like the whole open area mm -hmm. mining look to it was my least favorite part of Control. And then they were mm -hmm. like, hey, we're going to make an entire DLC out of that. Yeah. And and you're also very directionally challenged when it comes to those kinds of games. Uh, trying to, 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 to Trying to go back to such a obtuse map like it was in Control. Just let them make I... that 3D jedi fallen order map let me manipulate and figure out where i am and where i need to go 
in a directional way. Yeah. And we're good. And, and to me, it worked because I tend to be a little bit more directionally conscious of the places I haven't been or where I can go explore. But for people like you, it's not, it takes a while. So I think it just shows how well crafted certain games like Dark Souls. I've never had a directional problem with any of them. I always know where I can go mm -hmm. and what options I have um, because it's, it's very, despite how la labyrinthian they are, mm -hmm. it's just so easy to find my way through it somehow. But mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, maybe has good, it, is, it has decent signposting, even though there's not obvious signposting. Like, right. And Uncharted, that is like, where's the jello mark edges? Okay, there they are. Climb yeah. here. So just they're not as obvious. Direction. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's just, personally, I think it's a game design uh, success when you can do that without making it so obvious. But when you can't, there's always the tropes you fall back on that just give you a slight leg up to help the the audience mm -hmm. to actually enjoy your game for the right reasons. Exactly. So, but yeah, let's see what uh, what Remedy will do now in one of those six games, whatever they are. And just for context, like their most recent project that they're currently working on that we know of is a campaign for the popular popular Korean shooter Crossfire X. That they announced back in like E3 2019. I remember the trailer for that. Yeah, and apparently it's like a very obtuse shooter, but apparently super popular in in in, in South Korea. Hmm. So the fact that they're doing a campaign for that should be pretty interesting. And it was supposed to come out around the time of the Series X launch, and it got delayed. So I remember that. So and we still don't have a date for that. So that'll be the next remedy thing. And finally, last but not least, once again. Uh, do you remember, Paul, who did Sony use to communicate before we actually knew anything about the PS5? They were using a lot of Wired articles. Yes, all the time. Like Wired was in April 2019. That's when we found out that they were talking about the next-gen machine and they was going to use an SSD, the idea of fast loading. And... It's just such random, like, yeah. why Wired? Why articles? Yeah, why are they so embedded in Wired? But that's the thing. Wired is very, very well-respected tech. Their magazine site so maybe they're good at being able to like just send the right message from them who knows but they've been using wired a lot so yeah in, in april 2019 we heard that they were talking about we knew it was playstation 5 but it was it wasn't named the playstation 5 then on october of 2019 we found out oh yeah it's called the playstation 5 so <laughs> that way they had a whole press conference just to reveal the logo yeah <laughs> which it wasn't as playstation specific conference it was a sony conference like corporate con conference at ces but playstation is part of that and that's when they usually revealed the logo on january 2020 and then no more wired articles until now or unless there was another one if i if, if i was wrong i'll correct myself in the next episode but yeah they did another wired article this past week where other like i didn't quite put it here but yeah they, they talked about the short the shortages of the ps5 and how they've sold a 7.8 million and they're looking to try to do move heaven and earth to try to like increase production so that that's not a problem but the more interesting tidbit was when wired talked with uh herman holtz which is the uh who did herman holtz he's the he used to be the head of guerrilla games the guys that make killson and horizons you're done then on october november 2019 he was named the new playstation worldwide worldwide studios president the guy in charge of all the studios that sony owns oh yeah so herman Holtz confirmed that the ps5 is gonna have 
25 games in development, like from PlayStation Studios. Like you see a PlayStation Studios banner. They're like developing 25 games and half of them new IP. So not sequels, like new franchises. Now that gets me hyped. Oh, yes. And um, under those 25 games, you can include already confirmed games like Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, which, by the way, went gold. News, like, that means Thank it's done. God for that. Yeah, and so it's not going to get delayed out of the June 11. Insomniac are masters at hitting their targets. And it's not going to be a Horizon. Uh, it's not going to be a cyberpunk situation because that was a unique week went gold. Oh, JK, never mind. We're delaying. Oh, yeah, this game's yeah. broken. So going gold means going gold. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Horizon Forbidden West, also another game under this 25, which the article confirmed that Herman Holtz played a recent build of it, and it seems like it's still on track for this year. And also, they got surprised, but I'm pleasantly surprised that they were able to make that happen. Yeah, well, the game's been in development for a while, and the base of Horizon has already been built. So, unlike having to build a new game from scratch. And you can also put under those 25 games the God of War sequel that still doesn't have an official title, even though everyone's calling it God of War Ragnarok because that tease from that PlayStation 5 mm-hmm. price Ragnarok event. is coming. Yeah. So it only said Ragnarok is coming with a target of 2021, which, by the way, this article didn't have a single mention of, of God of War. So no way in heaven that game's coming out in 2021. Yeah. Like, no way. Like, absolutely no way. So also under those 25 games, you can also assume sequels to big hits like Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ghost of Tsushima, your favorite. Both because of those. those games were super successful. So why wouldn't they do sequels? Absolutely. They didn't get the, I mean, the treatment. Ghost of Tsushima even kind of ended on that opportunity of like, all right, well, we've t- dealt with Tsushima, but that's a small island on the whole northern Not part of Japan. Japan. <laughs> We've got a whole yeah. like set of other places, and you could just call it Ghost of, and then wherever he happens to be, you could do like three or four mm-hmm. games out of that. Yeah. Basically, every game in the last generation that you could say was critically and commercially successful, it's guaranteed to have a sequel, and it's going to be one of these 25 games. That still leaves a lot of games to be made under that, that could be like new IP, even like that. There was this studio that they partnered with, I think it was called Highwire Studios or whatever it's called, that they talked about they were going to do like a multiplayer exclusive with them. So it's, I don't know if I posted it in our chat, but that's something that happened within the within the weeks before we restarted the show. Wait, say that again? So they're, they're doing a game with a studio made from like veterans from Bungie to do like a multiplayer new IP. Oh. With PlayStation, I will I will look it up later. But they are uh, the most important thing about this announcement is that Herman Holtz emphasized that from these twenty five uh, games and half of the new IP, they're gonna span different sizes and different genres. Now that's what I like to hear. Music to my ears. What's been my rant fall all the time? Is that a lot of Sony exclusives have been the same general type of game? Yeah. And just saying that, I'm like, thank you. You get it. And I think they're finally realizing that they have to diversify their portfolio again because now they have an aggressive competitor that has gobbled up so many studios that are known for doing different kinds of games. Mm-hmm. So that means that now in direct comparison, they now have to forcefully diversify in comparison to its competitor now. So that's very exciting. 
And also, I forgot, in those 25 games, you can include whatever Naughty Dog does next, which, like we talked two weeks ago, it could be a Last of Us Part Goodness 3, the, the reported Last of Us remake, another Uncharted, or a new IP. But there's still more IP, so who cares if we get yeah. that as long as we get all the other games. So, yeah, any more thoughts oh, on that, Paul? Or? I, well, I'm kind of tired of hearing about Naughty Dog, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. They've they've had their time in the limelight, and... um. Let others get the right now. Yeah, I, I would say let some others deal with that. I still don't agree with remaking Last of mm-hmm. Us 1. Um, just doesn't feel right with this short amount of time that's been mm-hmm. between it. Because the whole reason for the remakes has been because of the immense jump in technology that it's allowed mm-hmm. them to do more with like actually fulfilling what the initial... Um, vision was uh, at the start of all this like you look at your Spyro you look at everything else and it's just like the technology just wasn't there to really fulfill that Mm -hmm. and now you have that but Last of Us between better resolution you can play the current game right now it might feel a little bit clunky but honestly it's it's about the same game as you would be so I don't know what they would really want to change yeah, like uh-huh. to me, like I justify a remake if like playing the old game is so archaic that it might require it. Like I gave a pass to the Shadow of the Colossus remake because um, even when it was remastered on PS3, the game still felt like the PS2 version mm-hmm. and that one felt antiquated and the modern coat of paint they gave that game just gave it such a glow up that yeah. I would consider it one of the top PS4 games. That's someone I'd, if someone would ask me to recommend something, I would easily recommend that one mm-hmm. because it's still such a unique game. And to me, what's interesting is that Sony has like 12, 13 first-party studios and they're going to do like 25 games. So what this tells me is they're going to pull what they did with Returnal, which Housemark is not a... They don't own Housemark, but they partner with Housemark. And the game Housemark make under Sony, they put the PlayStation Studios logo. So, they, that, so that means that they're either doubling up on their... Uh, on the internal teams within each studio. So like historically, like like I said, for example, Naughty Dog, he they when they made Uncharted 3, they were also simultaneously had a team working on the first Last of Us. And they got those games out relatively quick quickly from when both of those games came Between out because each they had other, the, yeah. Yeah. And there is rumors that over at Sony Santa Monica, yes, they're working on this new God of War, but uh, if you look at the there's this amazing documentary called Raising Kratos that 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 chronicle amazing like the best gaming documentary. Hours. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I've seen that documentary literally like four times. I love that documentary. Really? And every time that I watch that documentary, I would have gone back to play the game. It, if you ever want to like have the energy to play God of War twenty eighteen again, watch the documentary. Look the ordeal that was getting that game out the door, and you'll feel so hyped and go back to play that game. True. They chronicled there that before this God of War, they were also working on a sci-fi IP that was in such a horrible shape, they canceled it. Hmm. There is news now that now that Sony Santa Monica is like more in more stable ground again after the cancellation, and God of War hit them so well, critically and commercially, that they have a team working on the sequel while having another team that is going to develop a new IP. And potentially, rumors say that they might be reviving the idea of this sci-fi game. So there he is on time. No, 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 not that's not vegetable. That's oh man, that's my dad now. So, so now that's it. So, but it's so funny that always near the end of the shows, you always have like background sound. 
<laughs> in the back. Oh my gosh! That's, yes, and and my amazing. Mike is gonna like catch that. But who cares? That's It'll part of the. I, I mean, we we've covered all that we needed to. Yes. That's just the cherry on top yes. for all of it. Yeah, but before before I go, before we conclude that, like just to finish that thought, like yeah, if they revive that sci-fi uh, IP that they had to cancel to try to do it again, probably get it right. That'd be great because, like, for Sony Santa, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, like, that'd be great because when there's, I think we're talking about, there's barely any new sci- cool sci-fi stuff we get these days. It's so rare. Like, so, so freaking rare. And then on top, and then on top of that, what if a team like Sucker Punch has doubled up? What if Gorilla has doubled up? Well, in Gorilla's case, like, the, when we had the Tinfoil hat, I think it was a week or two ago when whoever's get hired, you can assume oh, what they're yeah. working on. Gorilla yeah. hired the Rainbow Six Siege director. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hire the Rainbow Six Siege director's shooter expertise to work on Horizon. No. Exactly. And that studio expanded. Unless you're really dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've exactly. seen EA do that. but yeah, yes. and, and we've seen Sony be dumb sometimes. Yeah. So thinking about how they're doubling up, then that means we get more games. And the good thing is that unlike Microsoft, that still has to prove that because that's the thing, Microsoft has gotten all the PR. They're doing everything right, except releasing games. Yeah. That's insane. They still haven't released like a single exclusive from their first party. They released a partnered exclusive with the Medium in January, and that came like a fart in the wind. No one even talks. Like everyone forgot that game came out. I would say, um, wasn't that that there was that dragon shooting game? Um... The you realize it was like a Dragon Riders. It was mm-hmm. like a competitive um, shooting game almost, where you rode the dragon. You had like a hero on the dragon that came out. Scalebound? No, 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 uh, not Scalebound. No, Scalebound was the one that got canceled. Hang on. But... Um, yeah, I, I want to find this. Microsoft yes. was a dragon. But as you find it, it's like I'll just keep saying it's like Microsoft has gotten all the positive PR with people preferring to play in their console because they're liking the the pro-consumer way that they have approached everything as, as we've talked about, but they still haven't released a single exclusive from their 23 studios. We should have gotten Halo already. Halo got delayed. Supposedly comes out this year. So they the proof is still in the pudding for them. They have to prove that now that they have this many studios that they can not only manage all the studios really well, but release quality games. Sony at least they have a mark of approval. Like we have the Sony stamp of approval that we know the majority of those games are excellent. Mm-hmm. So this makes me excited. So knowing that Sony makes good good stuff and we're going to get 25 of those games. Heck, I mean, it's, how couldn't we be excited? Especially since we, we've openly said that we main on PlayStation, even though I'm as console, I like also being a little console agnostic and play things in other and other systems but this is very exciting and to me that changes the um they this changes the narrative a little bit for for where sony was at that was mostly pretty negative pr for like almost a month mm. but they're being healthy and at least they're talking it's good that they came forward with this now we just wait till their event whenever that happens i'm not expecting it to come out in e3 i'll be wherever i'm going i'm gonna be there when e3 happens so that'll be fun that's true. Yes, and uh, we'll we'll see when they're gonna because uh, funny enough, Ratchet and Clank comes out the Friday before E3. 
Oh, it's literally wow. that Friday and then E3 starts on that Saturday from June, June 12th to June 15th. So we'll see when the conferences are. And I can imagine Sony giving Ratchet and Clank some time in the limelight. And then after that, boom, here is the um, here is the new state of play where we're going right. to talk about the, what's coming up for the system. Maybe give a date for Horizon. Everything new. Yes. Did you find out the name or you couldn't? I could not. It uh, it was very vague, pulling up all sorts of random things. Yes. Movies called Dragon Rider and <laughs> top 10 Dragon Riding games you yes. can find on Microsoft and iOS. And I was look, like, okay. Uh, in, in, in between episodes, I'll look it up and we can put it up as like a follow-up next week. Yeah. But this is pretty much it. We made it. We made it some, we did 20, it. some 20, 25 minutes shorter than the last week. But... We're getting and, better. Uh, yes. And also, I forgot even to mention it, but this will be the closing thoughts. Like, you probably know what it said, but we're also in audio services. How did I mention this? And, yes. Uh, at the we top. didn't mention that at the start. Yeah. <laughs> Alejandro, where can, we, where can they listen to us now? Yeah. So not only you can watch us here on YouTube, you can also listen to us through Spotify. You can listen to us through Google Podcasts. You can listen to us through Pocket Casts. You can listen to us through... Many more. There's a huge list there. The only ones that are that we're the one the big one that we're still missing is Apple Podcasts. But yeah. our host Anchor.fm, which God bless them, they're amazing tool to use. Uh, they're they're basically doing the work for me that you you submit it and they make sure your podcast is there. So it will hopefully be an Apple Podcast soon. This is so exciting because remember what happened to us last year, Paul, that we kept saying. We kept saying for like half our podcast that we were going to eventually show up on Spotify and all the other things. And never happened. <laughs> and it never happened. And then I found out about Anchor FM and then realized, yep, we got it. So very exciting stuff. And thank you so much for everyone that has listened to us. We've gotten some pretty good uh, listenership from our returning episodes. And yes, officially, we have surpassed Statics Radio. Really? Finally, yeah. With today's episode, we surpassed around Oh, radio. yes. You're absolutely right. Because we're one past, what was it, like 15, yeah. 14? Yeah, well, it would have been, yes. We did, <laughs> we it. did it. Even though it shows up as episode three, but we all that archive is still there for people to go back and listen to our less experienced yep. us and not see our faces. But again, thank you all so much. Uh, Paul, where can people find you? They can find me at Dork of Art on Twitter and AngelSword21 on Twitch. Um, also, YouTube, Dork of Art as well. Easy to look for. Um, I'm, I'm one day hoping to go back to that as well. Yes. Just, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Dorsegobia. Uh, and you can find me on Twitch at The Slayer Giant. And also, I have at The Slayer Giant YouTube that I have like one stream there. I still have to figure out my streaming situation where, where I want to really be at and where do I want to house stuff. But yeah, that's where you can find us, and we want to thank everyone to listen for listening to us. And until next time, Paul, press X to play. Bye bye. <laughs>